every day is an adventure. Absolutely, every day is an adventure. And each day is like a little mini cycle tour in itself. You never know what you're going to encounter, never know who you're going to meet. Um, and I mean, the variables are huge. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. So there's this new backpacking food company called Peak Refuel. And honestly, I, I gave them a shot for my last backpacking trip. Y'all, it was literally the best backpacking food I've ever had in my life. I was so impressed by them that I wanted to reach out and get a deal for our listeners. So if you keep listening to the episode, I'll tell you how to save 20% off an order with them. Hey friends, check out Powder7.com, new sponsor for the Adventure Sports Podcast. I've worked with these guys for a couple of years, and two of my sons have bought their most recent pairs of skis there. What's cool is that while they do sell new skis, they also sell previously used demo skis. And these demo skis come with demo bindings, so no need to remount anything. And they are sold for less than half of what you would have to pay otherwise. Great deal, great website, great people. Check out powder7.com. Hey, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you're with family or uh, not neglecting anyone to listen to this show. I know I know how good the show is, but spend time with family today. Have a good time and uh, catch up with us tomorrow or the next day. Uh, this episode features an extremely uh, happy couple who, by their own admission, are older and started their adventures uh, l- later on in life. They they were about 50 when they started doing uh, bike trips, bike tours, and uh, it, their their happiness, their joy about it is just infectious. Uh, they make you feel like anything's possible, and I really appreciate their attitude and outlook. And honestly, they're, they're extremely thankful. So we wanted to save this episode for uh, today, Thanksgiving. You'll hear it in their voice, you'll hear it in their demeanor, and we want you all to know that it's never too late to start doing something you never thought you would, and you never know what kind of passions are within you that you might have not discovered yet. So enjoy, let us know what you think, and our contact information is at the end of this episode like always. All right, enjoy the show. Hi friends, Kurt here. Not only Kurt, we have Mason Gravely on as well to help host this show, and I'm excited to get the conversation going with Chris and Heather Hartridge. Now, Chris and Heather have been bike touring for a long time, and I am excited to hear all about their adventures around the planet on bikes, and it's perfect that Mason is here because that's how Mason cut his teeth for adventure doing bike touring as well. So we're going to have a four-way conversation. Welcome to the program, everybody. Thank you. Hey, good to be here. The thing that was fun, I love it when this happens, a new listener named Samantha Walters contacted us about Chris and Heather and said, I think that these guys should be on the show. 
And so I contacted Chris and Heather, and they said, now, how did you hear about us? I said, well, from Samantha Walters. And then they said, oh, well, we met her in Nicaragua. (laughs) And so (laughs) I love it when this kind of stuff happens because it just goes to show how the adventure sports community is a small world and how much fun it is. And we really appreciate it when guests recommend people to be on the show because those are the best shows ever. Let's kind of just get a feel for who Chris and Heather are. The two of you... Um, are retired but traveling on bicycles. Give us a little bit of the backstory. When did you start touring together? Uh, we started touring probably early in the, the this century, <laughs> um, <laughs> in the early 2000s. Our, our daughter um, was living in a town called Kamloops, about five and a half hours drive away. And um, we had mountain bikes already, and, and I got the bug that I said, to myself, you know, I, I should try riding to Megan's place in Kamloops. And um, the long story of that short is, is that we took the next winter to actually plan how we would actually do that cycle. Oh my goodness, five and a half hours car drive away technically is about six days ride. We had never mm. done that. So we started researching online and found out that, the number one, the bicycles we had would probably kill us if we just tried to ride that whole way. Um, and over the winter, we, we bought um, some wonderful touring bikes that we actually still ride. Um, and the next summer, we rode down to visit Megan. And it was that first trip that seriously got us addicted to uh, the lifestyle of cycle touring. Prior to that, we had been making short tours around the, the rail trails in British Columbia, but nothing, nothing like that first six week tour that took us down to Southern BC into Washington state and then across the North Cascades. And since then, we just kept expanding that circle, getting larger and larger circles in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and then it eventually led to going into Mexico and then last year across the continent. So we're, we're taking it slowly as, as in comparison to some. Mm, and I think it's fun you mentioned that it was five and a half hours drive, which is about six days on a bicycle. Do you find that that math works out pretty closely? About an hour per car yeah. <laughs> makes a day per bike. Is that about right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, one hour, one hour in a car, you know, is about 80 kilometers an hour or whatever it is, miles per hour. But mm-hmm. that's about a day's ride for us. So, you know, if somebody says, oh, that's seven hours for me, that's, that's a week riding for us. Wow. Yeah, it's worked out. And, and of course, the, the, the one thing that changes with that, of course, is terrain, um, but also age. Um, mm. We've noticed little subtle changes over the years, and so we don't uh, plan maybe exactly like that anymore. We, we just take our time anyway. If we get to somewhere, that's good. Yeah. We're not in a hurry. Yeah. And I, I use that same metric a day, a day for an hour, a day for an hour. So I guess, you know, some people bike really, really far in a day. I think a day for an hour means you're doing reasonable days. That's what I would call it. Right. So we're talking about maybe 60 or 70 miles, something like that. Yeah, or even less, you know, it's interesting because we used to bike, you know, obviously when we were a little bit younger, we biked a lot further, but now it's kind of come to our realization that, you know, we're 65 and we want to continue doing this. So to to be able to continue, you, you can't injure yourself because that's 
silly thing to do. And so we just ride, we usually ride about six hours a day and that's enough for us. That gives us enough time to, you know, chill out when we get to wherever we're going. So you started the bike touring, it sounds like around the age of 50 or so, am I right? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Yep. Some people might think, well, 50 is pretty young. I think it's pretty young because I'm 50 myself. But some people might think that, oh, I'm 50. I don't know if I could start something at this point. What would you say to them about that? Um, don't wait. Uh, do it now. Yeah. Um, mm. There is, uh, you know, it, we're, we're not noticing a huge change in our stamina. Uh, but don't wait. So that that's the main advice. Uh, because by waiting, you're missing all that stuff out on the road, all the people you meet, all the things you see, the animals, and, and they just, the list is huge of what the benefits are for us. Yeah. Uh, don't wait because you'll uh, you'll miss that stuff, yeah. and you wish you had started. We honestly wish we had started our, earlier ourselves, but never mind the past. Just look at the future. So, I mean, we're already thinking about our next tour, and we're not ready to stop. That's for sure. Well, I would like to hear, just for context, the places you have been as you've toured. And then I'd also like to hear, Mason, the two of, you know, or the three of you kind of swap stories about what it's like to be on the road. So, you know, Heather, how about you tell us uh, some of the places you've gone? Well, I, I think what Chris said is, is our tours just kind of ended up being rather large circles, and they just kept getting bigger and bigger. But I suppose one of the largest ones was when we did cycle from the middle of British Columbia uh, down the west coast of the U.S. Uh, down into the Baja, um, Baja, California, to the southern tip of Baja. We were headed to Panama. That was the plan. But unfortunately, I ran into a dog that just kind of happened to like the look of my calf. And uh, <laughs> that slowed us down a little bit. Um, I ended up actually being in bed uh, in um, Los Bariles, which is southern tip of Baja, for a while. And but anyways, that that was one of the longest trips, and it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was just the most amazing thing to be able to mm-hmm. ride down the coast of of the U.S. You know, through Washington, Oregon, California. I mean, it's just it's absolutely wonderful. And then, of course, going into Mexico was just a whole other thing. So that was one of our trips, which we really enjoyed. I'll just add a bit to that, that when you, when you talk about a trip of, of that magnitude and it was eight months we took to, to just wow. relax our way down to Cabo San Lucas, every day is an adventure. Absolutely. Every day is an adventure. And each day is like a little mini cycle tour in itself. You never know what you're going to encounter, never know yeah. who you're going to meet. Um, and I mean, the variables are huge. So we love change. And so therefore we love every day on a bicycle because it's always different every day. And there are like little microcosms of places we visited and, and things we did along the way that all add up to this amazing experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, the trip, the trip to Baja was incredible. And in, in the grand scheme of things for, some cycle tourists that we know, it that's a small trip. I mean, it, it's you know, it really is a small trip, even though it sounds like a long way. Um, there are people that are, as you know, touring the world constantly. Yeah. But we we enjoy what we do and the places we've been. Um, on that trip, we had to actually head 
west from Williams Lake. Now, Williams Lake is a town just south of us, also on the Fraser River. And west of Williams Lake is really where the wilderness of B.C. starts, and it's an area called the Chilcotin. So you go across the Chilcotin, and gradually you start to see this huge mountain range in front of you that looks like the Rockies, but it's actually the coastal mountains. And it takes, you know, like a week to get to that range, and then you got to go up and over and down to the Pacific. And even then, when you're on the Pacific, you're in this huge inlet, so you're a long way from the open ocean. But that trip alone was like an, a major adventure just across the, the wilderness of the Chilcotin. That was incredibly beautiful. Oh, man, that sounds awesome. Yeah, just just getting to see things, you know, on that, you know, you're going so slow. So, I mean, you see more, you know, and we, we often call it aromatherapy because the smells are <laughs> usually quite wonderful. You know, wild roses blooming and mm-hmm. alfalfa fields and so it's really quite something that you get to to actually experience all that because of course if you're in a car going, you know, uh, you know whatever 60 miles an hour, you you miss all that. So one of the one of the things that we've coined is we actually call it rolling meditation because it's very rhythmical. Obviously, you're pedaling mm, your bike. I like but that. It's, it's really it's yeah it's really meditative. It's it's calming. You know, it's, it's the visuals are amazing because, of course, you're not going fast, and the aromas are amazing, and the people you meet are amazing, and the animals you see are amazing. I'm using that word too often, but but it's it's true. It's just quite wonderful. We we uh, we find it can be a really intimate experience as well, um, not just with the our partner. We're lucky to cycle together as a husband and wife, married 44 years. Um, it's an intimate experience with yourself because you're experiencing all of these things that you're seeing outwardly, but also inwardly, your body adapts every day in a different way. Um, And so you get to know your health pretty well uh, and how you can deal with today or, or not. I mean, and that is part of the story with going into uh, Central American countries or even Mexico and for that matter, British Columbia and places in the States, you can get really sick real quick by drinking the wrong water or something like that. And that changes the the whole thing again, but you're out there and you're trying to prepare. So, I mean, the REI and MEC are filled with gear to help you make these trips, but you can have way too much gear because you've got to carry it. Oh yeah. Anyway, so we love the intimate experience and that's why BC and for that matter, the Western North America is so great. Some of the cycling in Montana we've done and, and down into Utah and Idaho and Wyoming, you can't believe you're in these places on your bicycle. How the heck did I get here? Mm-hmm. Uh, out in the open and, yeah, there's animals around. We've passed by wolves and grizzly bears, grizzly bears and it's snakes and big rattlesnakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> lots and lots. Man. Yeah, no, it, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. Well, so many... I, I always have questions about traffic and questions about your saddle, how you manage to sit on it that long and how much gear you're going to carry and where you sleep at night. And, uh, you know, maybe we could kind of get the rundown on that real quickly to kind of figure out your biking style. But uh, are you sleeping in hotels, motels, in a tent? Oh, no. How do you do it? No, we, 
we have we have really good gear because you know I mean we're older folks and I'm not going to lie on a half inch foamy thank you very much so <laughs> my 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 sleeping pad is a four inch down filled uh, air mattress which is I can sleep on a gravel pit it's incredible wow but I mean yeah, we have really good awesome. we have wonderful bikes yeah we have really good bikes really good gear we carry about fifty pounds of gear each on our bikes and yeah. uh, we always tent we love tenting. Yeah, the tent. Uh, it's funny when we first arrived home after our first few trips, we didn't really want to go in the house, so we set up the tent in our in our yard. <laughs> We're sleeping in the tent in our yard because it was it's so comfortable, and so we oh get really really used to it. It's uh, and so this little trip we just did, we were so happy to be back in the yeah. tent and 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 we really enjoy not necessarily knowing where we're going to lay our head at night. I mean that. You know, some people might be uncomfortable with that, but to me, it's a, just a little bit of an adventure. You know, I mean, you know, I don't want to stay at a Holiday Inn because I personally find them overrated and boring. But you know, beside a lake or a stream with your tent, I mean, how wonderful is that? Oh yeah. So the uh, ho- hotel or motel thing enters into it when conditions require us to do that. So if there's a an imminent tornado coming. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll pick a, a safe spot maybe, although we have over over time sort of been out in the open in Minnesota and down your way, experiencing sort of the edges of tornadoes. Mm-hmm. But if if it's like super super wet and rainy, yeah, we'll we'll take a what we call a cheesy motel and and uh, camp there for the night in in a room and uh, but mainly it's tenting. I love it. So in the United States and Canada, especially in the West, there's a lot of public land that makes it easier to find places to camp. Now, do you look for campgrounds like paid camping or are you looking for places where you can just kind of wild camp on the side of the road? What is your preference? Well, we do. We do both. I mean, you know, I, I like to uh, have a shower or jump in a nice uh, clean lake at the end of a ride because that's nice being clean. So a lot of times we will do a campground. In the, in the United States, you have hiker-biker sites, and they're $5 uh, each per night. And it's, I mean, that's wonderful. But a lot of times we'll just see a power line or something, and we'll just kind of roll the bikes up and, you know, out of the way so people don't see you. You're kind of hidden a bit, and we'll, we'll free camp. It just it depends on the situation of where we are. Yeah, you want to be careful about it. Yeah. So like I said before, Peak Refuel is a new company making freeze-dried food. And it's literally the best freeze-dried meals I've ever had. You can use it for backpacking, camping, hunting, whatever you want to use it for. And these folks are the real deal. They spent over two years researching the market and creating the perfect recipes. And it is just absolutely awesome. I used the meals on my last guided trip. The people on the trip could not even believe that it was freeze-dried food. Literally, you put a cup of water in it. It's like a cup or a cup and a half. It's, it's not very much water, and it tastes like it came from a restaurant. That's how good it is. If you're interested in ordering some yourself, you can get 20% off by going to peakrefuel.com and use ASP20 at checkout. I encourage you, go get some, try it for yourself. It's amazing. This is Colorado nature photographer John Fielder with a great idea for gifting our state this season. Don't get mad at me. My latest Colorado book actually takes the color out of colorful Colorado. Carpets of purple columbine, 
Forests of yellow aspens and buff-colored herds of elk are rendered in black, white, and gray. You'll be mesmerized by the edges, shapes, and textures of our most beautiful of states. You'll love it. Visit johnfielder.com to see my new book, Colorado Black on White. That's johnfielder.com. I mentioned uh, the United States and Canada, especially in the West, because I think that's easier to do here. Talking to people like in the United Kingdom, uh, they do what they call wild camping, but what they mean is that they wait till sunset and dive behind a bush <laughs> because there's not a place to legally camp. Yeah, it's, that's stealth camping. Yeah, and then they jump up, yeah. you know, yeah. before sunrise and move on out, and you know, no one's harmed, no one's the wiser, and, and yeah. it's kind of a fun thing that people know, what, you know, is going on, and I think sometimes that can work. Yeah, and sometimes you oh, just yeah, have to do that because, you know, yeah. on a bike, someone says, oh, yeah, four more miles down the road is this nice campground. But that's not a four-mile ride in a car. It's That's four miles of work. No. And if it's uphill and it's at the end of the day, you're like, I'm going to find somewhere right here. So, <laughs> well, that's, that's yeah. one thing we've learned is you never ask a person that's in a car what the road is like because they have a lot of clues. They just <laughs> right. step on the gas, right? right? You know, they say, yes. oh, it's really flat. And, of course, you ride it, and it's like a roller coaster. So yeah, yeah. yeah. you don't don't ask a driver. You were mentioning earlier about traffic. So, um, I mean, it can go from the traffic, of course, is worse in, in the towns. Uh, but it can go from bike lanes to not. Um, and so we we admit that we don't do really well in towns. We try to avoid them if we, if we can, like big big cities. Little ones are fine, um, but the actual out on the open road, uh, if you have no shoulder, then you've got to be really, really careful, uh, and mirrors on a bike are essential for that, and we have developed a system where the person riding in front, which now is typically Heather, listens to the person in the back, me, with his bell that I can ring, so... One ring means you should look in your mirror and see something coming behind, and you might want to be careful. Two rings means there is something coming, and you need to look in your mirror and get off the road. And three rings means get off the road now, like instantly. And uh, we use that on the Highway 1 down Baja a lot, uh, and even in some places in California. And it actually, it, it's just you have to be constantly aware. So the more traffic there is, the more aware you have to be. Uh, and it can be uh, sort of mentally challenging. You're always, not, you can't really super relax like you can on some roads. Like that road I was mentioning out the Chilcotin in BC here, you'd never really even bother looking in the mirror because there's nothing coming anyway. But uh, down there on, on Baja, there was. and um, And it also depends on the, uh, the culture and the mindset of, of the drivers. So as we have toured around Western North America and now last year across and even in Baja, we compare and we've, we've got our opinions where the, the, the more sensitive drivers are, the more uh, courteous drivers are uh, and where the jerks are. Uh, and and some, sometimes it's not under their control. Like there is one famous highway in, in um Ontario called Highway 17. It's part of the Trans-Canada. And there are 3,000 semi-trucks a day on average going back and forth on that road. Well, is that a road you want to be on on your bicycle? And we said no. So it was the one and only time we actually 
set up a little help us sign in the front of a gas station and we're looking for a ride because we're not going down that road and it was the only one that was available Mm. now some of your listeners may say oh we did 17 and it was just fine but why risk it is what we're where we're coming from i wanted to collect my first pension check yeah yeah Yeah, that's important i think that's very important i think so i've been bit by a dog so that, that was bad enough how many times have you had to uh, actually dive off the road? And you know, you're talking about biking in some of these cities, and I was thinking about the bell system, and I thought, man, it would sound like an alarm clock going off right. in some of these places. So how frequent is it that you've had to actually dive off the road to save There was a particular hill in Mexico south of Ensenada that uh, we were prepared for it being a challenge, but our problem was we hit the Baja riding down it at the same time that the Baja 1000 auto race thing that they have down there was going to go on. So there was way Mm. more traffic on this road and way more fast drivers. And so this particular hill would have been uh, maybe 10 kilometers long or five, six miles miles or something. And it was 25 times we we got off. We, We kept count. And so we just, Oh, bailed goodness. right off and other times on the Baja we we found out that the truckers you could trust them so there the first time it happened there was a, the white line and then nothing on my right it was just a drop off I so you couldn't get off the road and I saw this truck coming behind me and a bus coming towards us in front and I thought oh my god what's going to happen here and so we snugged onto the white line and stopped so that at least the trucker knew where we were. What he did is he came up behind us, put his brakes on. I heard the brakes go, and all of a sudden he stopped. The bus goes by, and then the trucker puts it in gear and waves as he goes by us on our left. And I couldn't believe it because that would not happen in Canada. You get horns blasting at you. and But down there, they were, and we found out later that that's, was pretty normal courteous drivers believe it or not but i i think fortunately that you know like these are kind of like the, the negative experiences of riding but by far there there's more positive experiences you know choosing secondary mm. roads or you know rail trails or off roads and you know just all the back roads there are there's a lot of back roads yeah so we choose them and it's all worth it for the people you meet yeah absolutely the people we we meet and have met for years. Some have now become good friends and uh, uh, even Facebook friends. And uh, it, it's been wonderful that we've met. Well, it's a wonder, wonderful way of, of expanding, you know, the range of people that you get to know. Because I think if you stay home a lot, you kind of hang out with, you know, like-minded folks. Mm-hmm. But when when you're out there on the road, you meet all sorts of different types of people. And I mean, that's that's beneficial. I mean, that, that expands your, you know, your mind, your horizons. And I mean, and one thing we've said to each other is that it reaffirms our faith in humanity because Mm -hmm. we have met so many people that have gone out of their way to, you know, either help us or just be kind to us. You know, we pull into a campground and they come over with cold beer or corn on the cob or, you know, I mean, we've had just wonderful people. We've just had the most extraordinary people. And I don't think we would have met them if we had pulled in, you know, in our camper, people kind of, you know, stay to their little, you know, site. And so, I don't know, I think we're a little more approachable, maybe. 
when we're on bikes. I mean, yeah. we've met, uh, you know, people in, in San Francisco, we met this young couple. And, and I mean, they were absolutely wonderful. By the time we got to San Francisco with them, they they showed us all around and we did a tour of, of uh, Kate Ashbury area with them. And I mean, we had so much fun with them and we stayed on their boat um, underneath the uh, Golden Gate Bridge and they let us stay on their boat for three nights. And, you know, so these are the type of people that, you know, when would I meet them unless I was kind of out there? Yeah. We were cycling into a, a community in Southern Oregon on our way South and um, it was a really bad rainy day and we were out front of a restaurant looking for a, a cheesy motel to, to take, uh, take refuge from the rain. And this couple named Judy and Frank walked over and said, wow, you guys are from Canada. Like, did you ride your bicycles here? Oh my God. Is it, oh, it's is incredible. And so he said, well, let's go into this restaurant and we'll help you find a place. So they were staying at a, a bed and breakfast up the road and uh, they lent us their phone to call the bed and breakfast. And sure enough, we found a nice, nice place for the night. And then next morning at breakfast, Judy and Frank said, you know, you guys are coming through San Francisco. You should stay with us. We live in El Cerrito. Wow. And, you know, just make sure you do. And we'll give you the directions how to get there. So the next thing, we we find ourselves getting off the southern end of the Golden Gate Bridge a a few weeks later and taking the BART out to uh the the uh, suburbs out to el cerrito uh-huh, uh-huh. and they wouldn't wouldn't let us go they, we stayed there for a week with these people that's awesome so much fun yeah so much fun everything y'all are talking about man just it must be universal because it resonates with me so much like from from mm-hmm. the how slow you travel to restoring your faith in humanity to just the aromatherapy even it, it's every yeah. that would be a chapter of uh, every one of those would be the same exact way i would write a book about it or describe it because man there's yeah. it, honestly it, it's there's nothing better to me to experience i mean nothing opened my eyes personally more than than my bike touring experience and it's yeah. really yeah. developed you as a person but um yeah, that's well. It does, and it, you know, it make it. Yeah, it makes you realize that you know all the the horrible news that you hear on. Mm-hmm. We don't have a TV, but you know the news you hear on the TV and the radio about how you know how horrible the world is, and yeah. you know, there's a lot of wonderful people out there, and most most people we've met, ninety nine point nine percent of them are just absolutely wonderful so and you're right, it has nothing to do with borders or where you are. It's just yeah. people. Yeah, no, that's, there was, that's definitely true. There was one couple in Tijuana when we went south across the border, and they, they are warm showers hosts, um, and we'll, we can explain what warm showers is in a minute. Mm-hmm. But we had a plan to stay with these folks. Uh, so we left um, San Diego and cycled down, uh, and next thing we know, we're parallel to the border riding along, and it was the most uh, incredible sense of, my God, there's going to be a big change here because Southern San Diego is is beautiful, but right across the border, you've got this whole different kind of beauty. It's called Tijuana. And when we got to to the border, we thought, okay, it's going to happen. And we had people prior to getting to the border in uh, some of your fellow... um, American folks were actually concerned for our lives as we were going to cross the border there. 
And we walked up this pedestrian walkway and uh, got to the, the big turnstile where you go through and Heather got her bike stuck in the, in the turnstile and a young man with an AK-47 and camouflage uniform on came up and helped her move the bike through. And the next thing we know, we're in this mass of humanity trying to get into uh, Tijuana. We had to do our tourist cards, which we all of a sudden found was just so easy and friendly and English was spoken, no problemo. And the mm-hmm. next thing we know, we're out in the crowds sort of cascading down this ramp with our bikes and thousands of other people. And all of a sudden, the thousands of the other people or the thousands of people just sort of dispersed. And we found ourselves just on a road in Tijuana. It was this weird sort of twilight zone transition. Mm. And then all the, the good Samaritans started coming up. Where, wow. do you, where are you guys going? And can we give you some help? And And so we knew the address we were going to. And a taxi driver said, no, you got to go down this road and up that road. And and so what would have been sort of a nightmare to some was just another wonderful adventure. With day in the park. Another day in the park. Yeah, and uh, we made it to Liz and Gerardo's home. And uh, they, they invited us in. And we discovered that it wasn't really a big home. It was just their bedroom and the kitchen. And that was it. And... I thought, well, where are we going to sleep? And what I didn't realize is all of the kitchen cabinets in their kitchen could be just moved aside. So they slid all these kitchen cabinets up against one wall, and we slept on the floor in their kitchen. And they were wonderful people. And Gerardo said, uh, and it was fully in Spanish, that uh, the next morning he would escort us to the road that we had out of town. And, yes, he was cautioning us not to go down certain directions, but he wanted us to go the right direction. So he did that. He walked us out to the edge and said, stay on this road and go that way and you'll be fine. And what ensued was a the the typical two-hour ride west of uh, Tijuana up this huge hill, choking on diesel fumes. And But we got to the top and the reward was, my goodness, there's the Pacific. We can see it. So we kind of bared left and headed south, and that was just another another adventure. We made it across the border. Yeah. Mm, it, it sounds so fun. So fun. It is. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. But we love it. You know, the various people that I've talked to that have done that crossing, uh, either by bike or as a pedestrian, they've all said kind of, well, we were told to, to move on beyond the border and everything would be fine. And then I've had it confirmed over and over again that the border towns can be a little bit rough, but as soon as you get deeper into Mexico, it's just a wonderful place, wonderful people, yeah. wonderful country. Oh. So was that your experience? Absolutely. We, we had people, one of the better places to stay in Mexico is behind the trucker stop. Because if you, if you ride in there, um, they know number one, you're probably going to eat there because you're starving. And we, we, this one particular truck stop, we, um, they let us camp right behind there, kind of like little bodega kitchen thing. And, you know, they swept the chicken yard out so we could put our tent down. And I mean, they, you know, you feel very safe because, you know, they don't want you to come to any harm and cooked us a good dinner and yeah. woke up to the chickens in the morning and, <laughs> and away we went. Mm. So yeah, they were, they're, they're lovely people. And again, just as you said a little bit earlier, they're, you know, they're 
it's all the same place, right? Yeah. We're all on this little planet together. When Heather was bitten by uh, the Heather was bitten by the dog in Loreto, um, we soon found uh, lots of help, um, and we ended up in a town called Los Bariles, which is south of La Paz, and that's where Heather uh, recuperated uh, for well, a month in bed, a month in, a, in bed, and oh, then boy. a few weeks more. Yeah. Um, but the locals helped us, and yeah, it was. Not a problem. Not part of the adventure. Yeah. By now you certainly know who Bent Gate is. That's for a great reason. Bent Gate Mountaineering has been sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast almost from the beginning, and we really appreciate that. They've made it possible for all the great shows to continue coming your way. We want to say thanks by reminding you to go to them for your backcountry gear. If you live in Colorado, then just stop by their store in Golden. If not, go to bentgate.com. They have what you need from the latest ultralight gear to the tried and true classics for climbing, hiking, and camping, like Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice? They have you covered there, too. Their staff are passionate adventurers who can offer help from their own experiences. Bentgate also hosts lots of events and speakers. Check out their website to see the schedule and to see all of their products. Help take care of the Adventure Sports Podcast by getting your gear from Bentgate Mountaineering. The Adventure Sports Podcast is also brought to you by Powder 7 Ski Shop. Powder 7 is Colorado's premier homegrown and family-owned ski shop. Online at powder7.com, they offer a huge selection of new and used ski gear, plus full tech and boot fitting services at their shop in Golden. With personalized customer service, they set up skiers from all over the world with perfect gear. From brands like Kessley, Rosignol, Black Crows, and Head, Powder 7 is all skiing all the time. So check out powder7.com to learn more. Now, back to the episode. Well, here's a question about adventure that I'm, I'm I'm noticing that the two of you are just saying, wow, it was so much fun. We've had these great experiences. We met the most wonderful people. But I have to ask, in the beginning, was it a little bit harder? I mean, it, you sound really gung-ho now, but when you first started bike touring, was it scary? No. No, I, I don't think so. I, no. <laughs> no, it was, no, it was actually Dang. quite the opposite. We were so passionate and excited about it that um, it it was not scary. And the, the, the scary thing has never really entered into it. Um, I mean, th- there was one time in Idaho where we met this unfortunate fellow. He was a, a, a white supremacist and, and he asked us if we had any in Canada. No. And it was just awful, this fellow. And he, yeah, he scared us, but that was just part of the adventure. So, no, we've never, never really been scared, and no. and failure is not an option. That I know that's a well used saying, but for us, when we went across the continent in the last two years, it took us two years to get across because we had an unfortunate death in our family in between. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want to even think about stopping until we got to the St. John's, Newfoundland. There was no question. Yet I have read journals of people who uh, torment themselves and, oh, my God, should I be doing this? And can I stop? And should I whatever? But for us, we had 
lots of time and we just kept growing and growing and growing and yes we were pretty exhausted by the time we got to St. John's Newfoundland but it was worth every minute you know definitely and again the people uh the whole intimate experience traveling slowly and <laughs> the chance to rolling to rolling meditation like Heather said it all became very uh, normal and when we get home the change and i often wonder this about other long distance cycle tourists how do you feel when you get home because you all of a sudden you're getting out of this obvious comfort zone into mm-hmm. oh i got to be concerned about this and all those other things that you deal with when you're back in sort of the other life we're, we're following a couple right now named curtis and jenny and they're They've come from Alaska, and now they're all the way into Chile, ridden the whole way down. And um, they are just happy every day, and it is their comfort zone. They've figured out a way to make it their their comfort zone. Yeah. And for us, it's part of our relationship. We're lucky uh, to have been married, and love is still part of the equation. And we still like each other. We still like each other. God, you guys do that. That's amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. No, and I often uh, liken uh, a cycle tour to life because there's experiences that come along that you're not aware of. They're going to come along and it just happens. And so you just have to be prepared. I mean, there was one day in Bemidji, Minnesota, where Heather ran over a whole box full of two and a half inch brass screws and it blew up her rear tire. And in the process, we were going quite fast. It screwed up the rear rim. And so all of a sudden, you're dead in the water, and along comes a good Samaritan. His name was Greg, who helped us get into Bemidji, and then we got the bike fixed. And it was just one of those things you never expect would happen. There's also some some serendipity. Do Do you have time for one serendipity story? Absolutely. You bet. All right. So... Um, coming south through California, you go through uh, the Redwoods, and then you get to an area called the Leggett Hill. And the Leggett Hill takes you from that area where the Redwoods are over to the coast. And the coastline, then you follow it south. And at the bottom of the Leggett Hill, there's a little town. And we had planned to have breakfast there, but we didn't realize that pretty well everything in that town had closed up since the uh, cycle the Pacific route book was written. That town is kind of dried up, or at that time it was. And so we stopped at the bottom of this legged hill, which was a fairly long hill. I, I won't pull any punches there. And we were looking for breakfast. So we got into our, the bottom of our bags and found those cliff bars and all the other things that we save for just such an occasion. And we stuffed ourselves and headed off up the hill. And it was going pretty good. It was a really nice day. And we got partway up the hill, and I thought, damn, I left my sandals and my best hat down at the bottom of the hill when I was going into the bags. And I thought, no, I'm not going back down that hill. There's no way I'm going down. So I thought, well, I can get another hat, and I can get some sandals. So up we went. And we got just before the crest of the hill, and these two young guys are riding up the hill behind us. And one guy waving his pair of sandals, and he said, are these yours? And we said, yeah, you bet they are. Oh, I would have missed them. 
And so his his name was Fergo, and he was with a, a young guy from Australia. And we rode with them for a couple of days. But they were so fast that we couldn't really keep up. So in Manchester, California, we said, you, you know, you guys, you should head off. And uh, it's been nice knowing you and have a great ride. And he said, yeah, we'll, we'll do that tomorrow morning. We're going to head out early. So the next morning, they got up early, left. And I went over to the picnic table next to where they were camping. And I thought, you got to be joking. There's a set of sandals on the table they left there. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so we took the sandals with us and we tried to catch them, but we never did. And we ended up giving the sandals away many days down the road. And the interesting part of this story was three years later, we're riding through the Rockies in the British Columbia. And we pulled over to take a leak at a rest stop. And this young guy comes over and he says, I think I know you guys. And we looked at him. We said, yeah, we think we know you too. But what's your name? He said, my name's Fergal. He said, didn't we meet in California? And he said, yeah, you left your sandals behind at the, at the Manchester. And we thought, what are the possible chances in the Holy middle of the Rockies? Cow meeting this same guy who we met just by chance in California. And it totally blew us away for the rest of the day. We're riding through the Rockies trying to be um, yeah. cognitive of the whole thing and being careful on the road. And this sort of happenstance yeah. meeting of this guy again was wonderful. And that's not the only time. There have yeah. been lots of others like that. Yeah. That is I crazy. Call it just, yeah, just like a destiny thing that happens to you. It's, it's pretty wonderful. Yeah, Again, the darndest things, things do that happen. happen. Darndest things, the darndest things, exactly. Some of the best days, though, are the ones where we get to fly with butterflies or dragonflies. Mm. Or horseflies. Or horseflies in the case of go. Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No, it's, it's, it's great. We've had, we've had, well, and we're, we're going to have more trips. I mean, that's one thing about, you know, as soon as we finish a trip and get back home, we start talking about the next one. So I always want to give our guests a chance to share things that matter to them. Do you have something you want our listeners to be sure they know about? Yeah, you bet. There isn't always an opportunity that uh, the inspiration that you can convey uh, in a public uh, storytelling session like um, like we did in, in Quinell here, there's a way to raise money for some uh, good causes. And we did that here in, in Quinell. We raised money. Uh, to help purchase more beds for the epilepsy unit in Vancouver General Hospital. Uh, and a good friend approached us who um, uh, has epilepsy, of course, and it was very passionate about helping out the hospital. And so we raised money uh, in, a, in a really fun night where we told our story about our cycle tour down to, to Baja. And... Um, We've met other people on our tours that have done the same thing. They've uh, raised money for all sorts of causes. And it's a, it's a great thing because people are inspired and uh, they'll come out and hear the story or even read it online and, and donate however it's set up. So it, it, it's a great thing to do. Mm, I love that. And what about your websites? Now, you mentioned a couple of them. Share them again so our listeners will know how to find more information about you. Sure. Well, there is a fantastic website called crazyguyonabike.com, and it's a shared website where 
thousands and thousands of psychotourists have posted and published their own stories about their tours over many, many years. Um, and our first trip in 2005 was posted there. And our last trip, even this year, was posted there. So you would go to crazyguyonabike.com and you would search for Quinnell bikers in their little search box in the top right corner. And Quinnell bikers spelled Q-U-E-S-N-E-L bikers. And it'll come up and you'll see uh, links to various tours that we have actually posted. Uh, and then you'll also get addicted when you look at all the other tours because there's so many people. And we've met uh, we've met people who actually have been on our same tour. One guy rolled up. He was in a campground in Ontario. And he said, aren't you Chris and Heather, the Cornell bikers? And we thought, how does this guy know that? And And he'd been on the crazy guy on a bike site. So it's a great thing. The other site was Cornell bikers, all one word. Q-U-E-S-N-E-L bikers.com. And that was a WordPress blog that we started last year for our trip to Nicaragua. And it's a, it's a great look at Nicaragua before the current revolution. Um, and uh, lots of um, history of, of our previous trip in uh, the turn of the century there to, to, to Nicaragua. So those are the two websites. So Quinnell again is Q U E S N E L. That's a little tricky, but Quinnellbikers.com. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Well, I have two important questions that I've got to ask. And uh yeah. I'll ask one, then Mason, I I'll let you ask one and then I'll come back to the other one. But you mentioned being married and still loving each other. And yep. you sound so joyful to be doing what you're doing together. It's an angle on adventure sports that I rarely get to talk about. Do you think that your common shared interest in biking is part of the reason why your marriage has been so good? Or would you say the marriage would be great either way? Well, I would say our marriage would be great either way. Mm. Um, but I think we're just, we're very fortunate that we do, you know, because you do see a lot of guys out there riding. You don't see a lot of 65-year-old women out riding. You know, I, I mm. think I am a bit of an anomaly, but, you know, that's okay. I don't really care. So I, I, it, it adds to it. But no, we're just happy. We're happy anyways. It certainly enhances uh, the relationship, but we've had such a, a full life. We've done so many different things, lots, lots of other travel, not, not on bikes. Um, and we've run our own restaurant, and Heather was a, a fully trained fitness instructor for 30 years. Um, I'm a cabinet maker, but I taught at the college, and we've done so many different things and had so many... Uh, friends up in our area that we, we have a full life um, music is a big part of our life i'm a musician as well and played for Dang. many years and so we <laughs> it's just another thing i mean we're always looking for different things and that's where we met um sam was in um this last winter, this last winter in nicaragua um 15 years ago, was it? Or 16 years ago, we worked in Nicaragua off the East Coast on a little island called Little Corn Island. And we didn't have our bikes or anything with us. We were just us working at an eco resort. Um, and it changed our lives. Four months on this little 
Paradise Island in the Caribbean off the east coast of Nicaragua, we thought, wow, there's a big world out there. And so this year we went back to Nicaragua and uh, we toured around on the buses, all the chicken buses or whatever you want to call them. And walking. And walking. Did a lot of hiking and we figured we know how to ride a bike, but can we still walk? So, <laughs> so we bought backpacks and we went backpacking around Nicaragua and it was very rewarding. It was it was wonderful. And that's where we met Sam on Little Corn Island. Her, her uh, two friends... Oh, yeah. Uh, Hope and Mitch, and uh, we had a great time with them. Oh, that is so, awesome. yeah, we've done lots of things. Lots of things. Man. So, yeah, you mentioned you, you had all kinds of stuff you've done before, and you wish you would have gotten into this earlier. And you did mention you have a daughter. Do you have any more kids? Or uh, Yeah, we have two kids. Yeah. Two kids? Our son's uh, 36, and our daughter's 33. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, I mean... I, that happens right you have a family and you kind of yeah it happens you know yeah. it, it is interesting though but it's i think it's a common thing that people just you know you get a house you get a car and blah 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 you do all that stuff and work and you accumulate all this stuff around you and then you realize that instead of it being freeing it's actually a bit of a trap not that i you know yeah. don't like our house or anything but um you know you don't have to do that you know you you, you can choose different paths so you know, when we had the ability and the freedom to do so, we decided we needed to get out there and, you know, see some different mm-hmm. things, meet some different people. Do you wish you would involve your kids with bike touring now that you know the, the joys of it? Would you ever see yourself doing that? Oh, I, I would love to. And it's it's kind of fascinating. Um, both our kids are, of course, and it's an age thing, but they're both uh, real techies, right? Right. So they're they're attached. They're attached. I mean, our daughter works at a um, a, a private art digital. digital art school. You know, very techie. And our son is a you know online techie mm. guy. And and so they haven't um, they haven't uh, followed us with that. They they you know they think we're crazy. And you know all their friends <laughs> kind of go, oh God, you know where's your mom and dad now? You know that's so neat. I mean, they're very supportive of us but they haven't actually participated mm. in what we do. So Could you have seen yourself doing this with them younger, like as children? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we've met people with, uh, you know, with babies, you know, babies wow. strapped to their little, yeah, it's kind of cool. That's neat. Yeah, well, a little I more asked, challenging. Yeah. But. Well, my wife and I, we've only been married four years, but uh, uh-huh. I, I kind of feel like my cycling career is over. I did it for probably seven years and, it's weird. It's like, oh man, I'm I'm still young, but it's uh, we're that we're probably getting ready to go in that to that stage of life and having kids and um, yeah, like, got to get yeah. these kids out here and experience this. And uh, yeah. I'm just curious if if that was something you wish you would have done because I'll I'll keep that in mind. Yes, I yeah, I would say yes. I wish we had done that. You know, and it, it, again, it's just interesting how you kind of fall into things sometimes and. Sometimes they're a rut, and I'm not saying our family was a rut because we have have and have a wonderful family. So, you know, just choices. Yeah, I have a question about biking versus hiking. You mentioned that you were taking the chicken buses and, and backpacking around Nicaragua. Uh, I have heard so many people say that when you're on a bicycle, it it's kind of the get to know people for free card, you know, <laughs> to make the reference to Monopoly, the get out of jail free card, that people see the bike and they say, well, these people have biked here. I want to talk to them about that. 
But then people with uh, without the bike, they might be homeless. They might just be bums. And people that are backpacking have have said, you know, well, it's pretty good. People are great and all that kind of stuff. But we really kind of look like homeless people. So sometimes it's a little tricky. Um, how would you compare the experiences having done both? Well, you're you're absolutely right. Um, it um, in, in a way with uh, with backpacking in Nicaragua, we were just part of the group. There were literally thousands, but they were thirty years younger than us, or even younger than that. Um, it was a, a normal thing, but we didn't get approached like we do on our bicycles. You're absolutely right about that. Um, you are a, quite an anomaly riding up in a town, including in a Spanish-speaking town. That would happen in, in Mexico um, and happens lots in, in Canada and the U.S. Uh, and if you were backpacking, I'd say no. And so uh, it's just a completely different thing. You seem to have a bit of a, more of a, uh, an, a presence on a bicycle because you, you've you obviously come from somewhere. If you just appear with a backpack, nobody knows where you've come from. <laughs> but right, if you right. ride up on a bike, you, you've obviously come from somewhere. And it's, so it's true. In fact, the first time we were riding through the northern Cascades in Washington, we got to the, the top of this Liberty Bell Mountain. Beautiful place. And it was a spectacular day. We lucked out. There was no rain. And we went to the overlook and looking out of this valley and these people were, and our bikes were right next to us. And they came up and said, how did you get here? And we, we said, with the bikes, but where's your car? And we said, no car. We rode our bikes up here. And so, yes, you are, you're a real curiosity. Um, and it can be anywhere from a restaurant to a, a you know, rest stop or, or wherever. Mm. Yeah. I love that part because our tour is across, or our tour across the continent here. We call it our good neighbors tour because we want to meet our good neighbors. And our good neighbors aren't just in the block where we live, or in the town where we live, or in the country where we live. They're actually the world. So let's go meet our neighbors, you know, wherever they are. And we met some wonderful people across North America and and into Mexico. So we're we're toying with the idea of uh, uh, Southeast Asia sometime. Um, we we there's way more places to cycle in Western North America. This place is in Idaho. We go back to at a drop of a hat. Uh, one was called Grand Jean, where we just happened to find this place, um, and it was just the most beautiful hot springs you could ever imagine. Yeah, and there was nobody there. And there was not a soul there when when we rolled in. It was just beautiful. So there's lots of places to go. And as you said earlier, Western North America is is prone to that type of thing where you could free camp if you wanted. And it turns out that there was a state park there that we were, we were fine, but there was nobody there. Mm. Well, it just sounds so delightful. And I, I'd like to congratulate the two of you on building a lifestyle that's so rewarding. Uh, you got me all excited about doing this, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. And the interesting thing is, is a lot of people say, "Oh my God, you guys must be incredible athletes." And and I mean, we're not. I mean, we are fortunate that we're healthy, sixty-five year olds, and we don't have any issues. But you know, we don't kill ourselves. We don't try to keep up to somebody that's twenty-five. And if we're tired, we stop. And 
you know, yada yada, and you just you just do what you can do, and it's just one pedal at a time, and you just keep going. It's it's not that difficult. That that's the saying. Long tours are totally achievable if you have the one pedal at a time thing, which is one step, one pedal, one day adds up to two days. It's just a slow progression. Yeah, that's the wonderful thing. It does slow you down. You can't get anywhere fast. So you might as well just be patient. And I think that's one of the best parts about it. You 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 can't get anywhere in a hurry, so just chill, man, and ride the bike. Yeah, yeah. You got me itching to get it out there now. Dang, been a few years. Yeah. Well, it's been even longer for me. I have not done a bike tour for oh, I don't even want to say how many years. I, I do mountain biking, but the the long bike touring is something that I did as a teenager. So it's been a long time. I'd love to do it again. Well, there you go. Don't wait. Have you heard of the Adventure Cycling Association in Missoula, Montana? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So they are such a great proponent of this lifestyle, although mm-hmm. even a weekend trip for them is the best. And early in the game, uh, it, when we had our new bikes, I, I said to myself, Chris, what do you really like to do? Chris said, well, you like to ride your bike. We know that. And can't you make money at that? And I thought, oh, maybe I could make money at that. So for Christmas one year, Heather bought me a, pass to go to Denver where I'd learned to be a cycle touring leader for Adventure Cycling Association. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I'd get paid. So I went and did that and took that training. And yeah, there was money involved, but I was really uninformed as to how much it was going to be. But uh, it cost me more to get to the trailhead than, than I made. But I had a great time. And that's where the family thing came in. I used to guide the Idaho Family Fun Tour that went on the uh, trail of the Coeur d'Alene. And it was wonderful. There was 40 people in the tour, and it was grandfathers and grandsons and moms and dads and their kids. And it was just the greatest time on a on a beautiful paved trail that ended up in the hills in Montana in the, the tunnels up there, the Hiawatha. But um, it, it was a great a great thing to do. Uh, and then I finally did some up into Canada. They call it the Selkirk Splendor Tour. Um, but I learned that not everyone that goes on a cycle tour is a nice person. There were some folks that they were there to be served by you. And, and that wasn't mm-hmm. Adventure Cycling's mode. Their their method there is to give you the experience and get you sort of the training so that you could find out what it's like to have your own cycle tour. So today wow. it's... Uh, Heather and Kurt's job to cook all the meals. So here's the money. You go buy the food and you cook for everybody today. And I, it was a wonderful experience. And, awesome. and it takes all kinds. Yeah. Yeah. But they wouldn't let me bring Heather. So I said, that that's not going to work. Oh, dear. No. So we Man. headed out on our own even more. Wait, would Heather not pass the background check or something? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Yeah, geriatric terrorist. Mm. That's funny. No, it's a great organization. I've had the pleasure of doing a handful yeah. of their routes, and man, I've always wanted to bike through and get my picture taken. You know how they do that? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Put it on the wall. Put yeah, it in the yearbook. Did that. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we did that. That was fun. Yeah. And when when Greg Sippel was taking the pictures, we were through there and it, it was it was a neat neat place to go. We've been there a couple times. Because that, that area is one of the most wonderful areas. From there down to um, Yellowstone uh, is incredible. We went oh, a wonderful adventure through Wisdom, um, Wisdom, Montana, and down to Dillon and Virginia City. Yeah. Great, great places. I was just there over this weekend. And uh, not on no the bike, kidding. not on the bike, on, on the car. But uh-huh. we went up to Yellowstone for the first time together. But... Uh, didn't make it as far That's as Missoula. Would love to. Oh, yeah. Riding through Yellowstone is phenomenal. Just because of the smells, it's, it's pretty mm. neat. Oh, and, and riding through herds of bison, that was pretty cool. Oh, I bet. Oh. You know, I bet. Every, everyone's in their everyone's in their protective car, and we're on our bicycles, and I'm on a, you know, because my bike is pretty fat by the time it has its panniers on it, and I kept thinking I might look like a female bison and it was it was rucking season so i was like oh my god oh, <laughs> i was man. a little nervous that's funny yeah I'd, I'd go back there yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was that great. There were quite a few of them out this past weekend. I probably saw we probably saw 20, 20 or so tourists or really? bike tours just uh really in the Yellowstone no, Green no Teton area and uh man, good yeah. time of year. It was nice and warm, not at night, but yeah, god, yeah. Mm. there's Kurt, you gotta get back out there, man. There's no better way to see. <laughs> I agree. It sounds fantastic. Well, Chris and Heather, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us about this amazing bike touring lifestyle. I, like I said, more power to you. Fantastic stuff. Oh, thank you, Kurt. It's our, our pleasure. Very yeah. much our pleasure. Yeah, it's been fun. Well, Mason, why don't you close us out? All right. Well, uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining us and uh, get out there and have some fun. Right on. Nathan, it was good to talk to you and uh, uh, it feels like kinship. The, the cycle, cycle talking, cycle touring talk here is, was good to, good to hear from you as well. It was comforting for me too. So thank you. It's, uh, it's definitely, you, you know, you, you can feel it when someone's speaking that I like it, it. Just this wave of nostalgia while we're talking. I, I love it. So it's been a while since I've talked to people right. who, who understand that. So thank you. Yeah. Right. Oh, you're welcome. All right. So, so we know that you're going to tour again for sure. Oh, absolutely. 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 We'll, yeah. see you, we'll see you in BC when it's not smoky. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know where we'll go next, but uh, I'm sure we'll cross paths at some point. I'm sure. That'd be lovely. All right. Well, thanks everyone. You're welcome. Thank, thank you, Kurt. It's been, been great. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right. Later.
Don't forget, if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food you're ever going to eat, go to peakrefuel.com and use ASP20 at checkout.